This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to the program. Sandy and Jonah. I'm Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough on my left. Joining us to talk about the Denver Nuggets is the lead Nuggets everything from Mile High Sports here. Ryan Blackburn, of course, uh, terrific content being put together on MileHighSports.com. Most of the Pickaxe Roll podcast, which is phenomenal. The new Alley Oop podcast. And if you're not following him on social, you're making a mistake because uh, his uh, charts when you're talking about the rotation are required reading on this show, NBA Blackburn is the handle ryan thank you for uh, joining us tonight appreciate it when you look at the nuggets in their last couple of games uh the, the loss to utah the loss to orlando they did beat detroit obviously but uh, they look a little discombobulated is there a challenge with this team taking some of the quote-unquote lesser teams in the league seriously you know there hasn't been until uh <laughs> until this last one is they Denver's 18 and one against teams that are sub 500. And sometimes, sometimes it's not going to look perfect in between the like game one and game 82. And Denver will have some, some slip ups here or there. And I think this last one, I, I would describe it as a slip up. Everybody from top to bottom basically said that they uh, undervalued what Utah had accomplished undervalued and, and just didn't expect the kind of fight and resistance that they got from Utah. And, while that can be part of the excuse, they also just did not try. It, it was very clear the the level of effort that they put out there. So this should be a good wake up call, and I hope that they uh, bring the necessary efforts on the road for for this upcoming five game road trip. I, I actually thought the Orlando loss is worse. Not that Orlando isn't a better team than Utah. I suspect in the in the long run, Orlando is a better team, but half of Orlando's team was missing a week sure. ago tonight and the Nuggets had an 18 point lead halfway through the third quarter and blew the ball game. Uh, and it uh, might've been different. I had a last second shot by Murray gone in, but that would have only forced overtime. I actually thought that loss was worse than losing in Utah where the Nuggets have never been any good, uh, regardless of the location uh, in Salt Lake city against the jazz over the years uh, since 79, the Jazz had the best, uh, with one exception, I think, uh, the best home record in all the NBA, and it's been a house of horrors for the Nuggets uh, historically in, in Salt Lake City. So that loss didn't bother me, and you're exactly right in characterizing it. I mean, the energy level of the Jazz from the opening tip was through the roof, and for the Nuggets, it was basically non-existent. And Utah's starters, with the exception of Markinen, aren't supposed to be that great. They get a lot of their scoring from their bench. Their starters outplayed the Nuggets starters the other night. So if we narrow it down to that, it was a bad loss in that respect because the Nuggets starters are among the highest scoring group in the league, and that is certainly not the case with Utah starters. There's something like 29th in the league in scoring with their starting lineup. I think if I if I had to categorize it, I think between those two losses, one of the through lines that you can really draw, Denver kind of struggles with the try hard teams. They struggle with the teams that up are up and like, coming hey, young teams who aren't afraid of them. 
yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give you everything you got. The Houston right. Rockets of the world, yeah. uh, where they like that's another one where they, sure. they struggle with the teams that are gonna get into their skin, yeah. that are gonna bother them, that are gonna capitalize on every mistake, that get themselves up for playing the world champions and the team that I think everybody like I think Jamal Murray described the best a couple weeks ago. We are the hunted and like not the hunters anymore. And there's there's a certain level of truth to that, that this team is adjusting to trying to deal with that reality. Now, if I look around the league and say, OK, I mean, there, there are a lot of teams that are kind of going through this right now. Uh, it's true. There, there are a lot of teams that sort of struggle with with these particular games. But uh, there is a difference, I think, between the way that OKC and Minnesota have handled these kinds of business and, and the way that Denver has. Denver is a little bit more shaky in that regard. And it's something they're going to have to clean up over the course of January. Yeah. And uh, you you spoke of Murray and I I just wanted to get your sense. And it's a subtle difference. Uh, I think more subtle as Jamal Murray's career uh, goes along, but every now and then uh, there are a patch of games where it seems like he's trying to do too much. And I think we may kind of sort of be in the midst of that. Even the Detroit game Sunday was weird when he scored 33 and Jokic scored four. Uh, You know, and I thought he tried to take over at the end of the uh, Orlando game and looked bad. And I thought the other night in Utah he looked bad. And it's it's subtle, more subtle than it used to be. But it, it it's a very you know, it's a delicate mechanism, uh, even with a champion like the Nuggets. And if if one guy starts to do a little too much, it hurts the people around him. And um, for for example, the other night, there was a point, not necessarily directly related to Murray, at which uh, Markinen drove to the hoop with Brown actually defending him about as well as he could be defended. And Markinen just overpowered uh Brown and and laid it in. Malone calls timeout. Jokic slams the ball on the floor and goes into the huddle and basically spends the entire timeout screaming at his teammates. Yeah, there's a little frustration. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. And I, I think maybe Jamal is part of that. There's a lot of fiddling and diddling, too much dribbling in Jamal's game right now. And that's been true for yeah, three or so four games. Putting Putting some numbers kind of behind that here, uh, Jamal in the month of October had a usage rate of 25, November 24, yeah. December is up to 28, which I think yeah, is too much. Probably, I'm, too I'm not even sure about that, but January it's 34. Well, oh, yeah, that's and, definitely too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything over 30. 30 is definitely too much. <laughs> 34, way too much. That's more than a third. Yeah. So, like, now during the month of December, he had a true shooting of 61 and shot 50, 45, 90. So yeah. it's hard for me to really. Right. No, no like he had a good, he had a good December. There. He had a good and, December, and, but the Nuggets are only three and two in January. Exactly. Uh, you know, so, no, you know. I, I think that his process was a little bit, has, has dropped off a little bit. I've said this on the podcast over the course of these last five games or so, even including the Detroit game. I think the process is a little bit too Murray-centric and not enough point guard-centric, where 
he's got to get everybody else involved. Yep. He's got to make sure to yep. loop in yep. Michael Porter and Aaron yep. Gordon and yep. KCP. Yep. Uh, it's less about Jokic because here's the thing that people don't understand. Jokic can demand the freaking basketball anytime he wants to, and Murray will give it to him every single time, <laughs> or at least like 75 to 80% of the time. Murray, did, that's if there's one point guard skill that he has over everything else, it is getting the ball to Nikola Jokic, and he will if that's something that Jokic wants. Jokic sometimes doesn't want that, and so Murray feels like it's his natural obligation to do some creative scoring, and there is a give and take there yeah. between those two that I think they're struggling to find right now in January. Well said. In, de- well in said. December, they were great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Than- well, they won so- 10 games in December. You can't complain about anything the Nuggets did in December. They were 10-5. and five. Uh, They won three more road games than they lost home games. That's a terrific month. Any month you win 10 games, I don't care if you play them all at home or all on the road or whatever, any month where you win 10 games, that's a good month. That's a hell of a month. But they're not going to win. It doesn't seem, Malone said the other night, they're not going to win 10 games in January. He didn't say 10 games in January, but he said, if we keep playing this way, we'll be losing more than we're winning. Yeah, they're going to need a turnaround here. It starts tonight. It starts against New Orleans. And New Orleans has been playing some great basketball. Playing very well. Yes. I'd, be, I'd be shocked if this wasn't a, a dogfight, to say, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, this is going to be very, very interesting to see how uh, Murray responds because he's going to be defended by Herb Jones and have uh, Herb Jones is a good defensive player. Yeah. Absolutely. And then Jokic is going to be defended by Jonas Valanciunas. Should probably get him the ball. Probably get him the ball as often as yeah. possible. And get Valanciunas in foul trouble. Sure. Absolutely. That is the formula to stopping the Pelicans and then making them a, a really tough cover or making Denver a tough cover for the Pelicans itself. So it's going to be interesting. I, I do think that Murray's fine. I think he's, oh, going he's through fine. This stretch where yeah. I think there was a brief, a brief, brief moment where, hey, maybe I could sneak into the all-star game. Maybe I could get this all NBA. That yeah. is kind of past. Yeah. There's, oh, there's, I think it's past too. But, but I think, there are times, and I, I've seen this with great players, Hall of Famers in years past, where, where they they may think a little too much about getting their 20 points. Sure. You know, and it isn't an obvious thing, but, you know, they're going for their averages or they're trying to maintain their averages. And I, I think to Jamal, and I, I don't know that he's entirely wrong about this, to be an all-star, you got to average 20. We certainly yeah, do no, as a backcourt no player. Yeah, and I mean, especially I, especially as a point guard, like right. he he's is a secondary creator to Nikola Jokic, so he's not going to get these eight, nine, ten assist games, of course not, all that often. Right, and so he's got to make up those averages in some other way, and that's probably the easiest one. We're talking with Ryan Blackburn of Mile High Sports. Uh, the, the the challenges here, and I, I look, I get it. We're nitpicking. The, the Nuggets are fine. Uh, health is the main thing to worry about. Uh, these guys will work it out. They've shown they've done it before. But when you do look at the way that that the team has has performed, it does feel that one of the concerns that I have is how and you brought, you did bring it up how to consistently involve Michael Porter Jr. in the offense. It seems like because of that sort of odd and tug of war is the wrong characterization. That's it's not there's not an issue between Jokic and Murray. But because of the way the ball flows back and forth between them, Porter Jr. tends at times to, if not get iced out, sort of get forgotten. And to his credit, he has sort of matured and just sort of dealt with, okay, well, that's how it works for today. It doesn't seem to bother him. But it does feel to me in games this year the Nuggets would have been uh, well served 
by focusing here and there on making sure that Porter Jr. gets going, if for no other reason, to force the defense to have to respect another scorer? Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, it's it's one of those things where it's one of the reasons why you pay Porter the money that he does, that he does get, is so that you can get somebody who takes the pressure off of the two-man game a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it is mutually beneficial to everybody on the team if Porter is involved and playing hard and taking on some of that scoring load, because then it leaves others to just create offense for the, in the flow and then play defense and do the, the team things that are necessary in order to get the job done. And now I'm not going to sit here and say that Porter needs a million more touches and nobody is going to, uh, but I do think that there are some opportunities, especially if they were to stagger their rotation a little bit more. Murray's been staggering with the second unit. I'm not sure how good that actually is. I think Denver's going to go to it in the playoffs no matter what, but I think that Porter needs some time. And if, if he is going to stagger with Nikola Jokic and play those minutes without Murray at the end of the first and the third quarter, they should be feeding him as often as possible in that stretch. And Porter should get up some shots. And now he's got to make them. And there are times where they will feed him and he won't make them. And that happened in Utah. Well, it did. Too much it did. And uh, listen, I, I didn't come away from the Utah game thinking, boy, they should have gotten the ball to Michael Porter more. <laughs> that wasn't one of my right. uppermost <laughs> thoughts. But at the same time, I'm thinking if he's only got five points, I know he's improved defensively, but boy, they were going right at him the other night. And that's why he only played 24 minutes. If he's not scoring and I, I'm not saying 20 points a game or or even necessarily 16 which I think is about what he's averaging I, I'm just saying if it's five points there's no reason to play him more than 24 minutes because he's not giving you enough on the defensive end to make up for that lack of scoring production yeah it's why guys like Christian Brown and Peyton Watson are so important to Denver's future because there were plenty of those times, even in the finals, where Denver decided, you know what, Mike, we don't need that scoring right now. What we do need is the stable defense, yep. somebody who's not going to make mistakes and somebody who's going to make plays. And Porter, to his credit, has improved defensively. I think that the the actual drop-off in his defense over the course of the season has been noticeable at times, but he was better last year and has the ceiling to kind of get back to that. But I, I still think that, like, they, they need to find ways to get him more involved to get these crooked numbers where yes. he's having yes. 25 points or 30 points or 36 points or something like that. Bradley Beal for the Suns just in their game last night had 30 yeah, watched it. Yep. on 21 watched. shots and looked yeah. very good. Yeah. And Denver doesn't have that from their role players because they don't get those guys enough shots. And that is part of the system. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. But it would be nice every now and then for Denver if they are good. If, if Jokic is going to take five shots every now and then or if Murray is going to set up the, set the table a little bit more, why not try to feature that guy and try to get him up 10 threes or 12 threes? Yeah, and he's, and he's human. And uh, guys who are at least involved in the game are more likely to put more effort into defense. I mean, that's yeah. just across the board. Sure. That's just human nature. Sure. Last one for you, Ryan, that, that I have. And you brought up the bench a little bit. Right now, the Western Conference is tightened up from first to sixth. It's only three and a half games, four in total if you go, go all the way to Dallas. The Pelicans at three and a half. So, I mean, this is a big one tonight. How has the bench continued to evolve? I think it has cost them a game here or there. I think the Nuggets knew they were going to take their lumps when they got younger. But how do you evaluate 
at this stage, uh, the Nuggets have now played 39 games. We're basically at the halfway point. Is the bench on track for what the Nuggets need to make another title run, or do they need to look to add? Yeah, it's so difficult because do I think that they can win a title without making any additions? Yes, I think that they can piecemeal it together with some of the options that they have. Uh, Reggie Jackson's been great for Denver overall, though I've I've been less and less enthused with the defense and the decision-making lately. It's been rough. Um, Again, it's it's almost that January thing. It's been the last five or six games where, yeah, he hasn't been quite as good. And that could change in a in a playoff series where like like we're talking about where Denver's yeah hey we we need to be locked in here and I'm sure that every every single player is kind of going through that including Reggie, uh, but Christian Brown has kind of stagnated in his development. I've, I've been a little bit disappointed in that overall. He has been shooting better from the perimeter, but there are aspects of his game when he's asked to do a little bit more creating that I'm just yeah not, he's I'm, he's a little, a little out of control. Yeah, he's a little yeah, out of he's, control he's actually, when he's in the middle of the break and transition. Yeah, I've seen that too. Six, he's committed six charges this season, yeah. which doesn't sound like a lot, but is tied with Jokic, and Jokic has played double the minutes. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> not great. Uh, right. Peyton Watson just went one of eight from the field, one of five from three in this last game, but he has been good, and he's been a more impactful defensive player than Christian Brown so far this year. I think if there was a guy – like between Reggie and Peyton Watson, I think that they've got a couple options off the bench that I feel pretty good about. Problem that you get into is the the big man spot, and I'm just yeah. I just don't know, guys. Like I, I just don't know what they're going to get from there night to night because you don't need DeAndre Jordan to play 12 minutes a night in the playoffs. You just like, you may not need it at all. Ryan, let me but sneak one more in because uh, yeah. you're exactly. I meant to, I was going to let you go, but you brought that up. And on on your social media, NBA Blackburn, uh, you you brought up the idea of a uh, player that had been really Bismack Biombo became available. Is that the kind of guy, rim protection, uh, a guy that might be able to take some of those minutes as opposed to rely on an older DeAndre Jordan that the Nuggets should be at least keeping an eye on? Yeah, you should be trying to get a vet, somebody who can do the things that you're asking them to do but also somebody who simplifies the rotation for you. Because right now, Denver's trying to play around with these minutes, with this different rotation, and say, man, it's either going to be Zeke Najee and you're going to switch everything defensively, or it's going to be DeAndre Jordan and you're going to play drop. You can't really do anything in between, and I think the bench is very congested and trying to figure out what the heck is going on every night. So just adding somebody that you know, hey, this player's going to play 12 to 15 minutes every single night, that would be nice. And then Denver... Could get that with a Bismack Biombo type, Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets, uh, Andre Drummond of the Chicago Bulls. There's a lot of names out there, these backup center types, that could be helpful in a pinch, but Denver just may decide not to be able to get. He is Ryan Blackburn. Make sure you give him a follow at NBA Blackburn. As as we mentioned, of course, uh, terrific content on Miley Sports. You can get that on the, the website, MileySports.com, or on the free app. You can also get the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, and you can get the Alley Oop podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, get all your Nuggets news, NBA news. Ryan does a terrific job. Uh, make sure that, that you want to follow, you want to listen as the Nuggets make Another run at the title. I still can't believe we're saying that. Another run at the title? That's what's actually happening. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Ryan Blackburn, joining us there. Keep in mind, by the way, if you're going to the Nuggets game tonight, uh, our friend Chris Bianchi over at Channel 9, uh, weather there, um, longtime listener, actually, love Chris, pointed out that anyone going to the Nuggets game tonight will step into the building with temperatures around 25 degrees and leave with the wind chill at minus 10. So, uh, 
bundle up, y'all, or at least hit the uh, hit the um, the merch store and get yourself a sweatshirt or a scarf or some mittens or something. Yikes! To be a, a chilly, chilly weekend. Oh, the ice is fine inside for the Avalanche. They're about to start a five-game road trip and an important one, obviously not only because of the standings, but because of the way they've played. We'll break down the Avalanche. Playing better of late, but now this is a statement opportunity for them over the next week or so. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Colorado Avalanche embark on a five-game road trip. I like that. Embark. Embark, right? Good word. Good word for Friday. Start going up there. But they will head up to Toronto. uh, Up north. That's right. Northeast. North uh, Toronto on Saturday. Montreal on Monday. Ottawa on Tuesday. Then Boston and Philly Thursday and next Saturday. So for the next week, five games all on the road. And for an Avalanche team that had looked at times a little wobbly, even though they really haven't lost that many games of late. Uh, they really looked good in the last two. And yeah. I know there was oh, a shootout yes. win against Boston, but Boston's outstanding. That was a good win. And Bednar, who's honest about these things, said that was the most complete game of the season until, until they Vegas, played the next Vegas, game. And, and that was even more 3-0, yeah. and they, they ran him out of the gym. Now, uh, Alexander Georgiev has started every game since Saturday, December 16th. Right. That probably has to change at some point well, here. Well, road trip. He it's one of the concerns, as you've pointed out. One of the, the there, some of the concerns with Yurgiev is the inconsistency, but the other part is the workload and the Avalanche. You have obviously have aspirations on contending for the Stanley Cup. You have to be able to trust Prosvetov a little bit more than they have. Prosvetov played three, uh, four games in a row during that span of time, but hasn't played since. And they've they've got to find a way to get him in. But when you look at this road trip, and it's uh, they have a couple coming up in the next handful of weeks. They have the five here, and then they have a longer one that bridges uh, at the very beginning of February that keeps them away from the 5th of February all the way to the 15th. So some big road matchups here. And when you look at the way the team's Hopefully played on have, the road. Hopefully they'll have Lekkinen back by Lekkinen that. They'll have Lekkinen back, back, back by that. What do you want to see from this team to get confidence that they are not as wobbly as they've been before? And it, again, I feel like I'm nitpicking, Sandy, because... They're still winning games. That they're in good shape, but they have not looked like they've looked against Vegas and Boston, where they just looked like the better team from the jump. As often as it feels like they should, I love them. The last ten games, uh, eight one and one, and the one regulation loss was that disaster against Florida last Saturday afternoon at Ball Arena, actually, when they lost eight to four. But you know, Florida's nine and one of its last ten games. Florida's. Uh, a hot team right now, five and zero in the month of January, and I, I am not ignoring some of the Avalanche weak spots, and there are weak spots. Uh, there is an issue of depth. Uh, the goaltending has not been great, 
Although I did find five other NHL teams with goaltending tandems, both goaltenders having save percentages under 900. That's interesting. And one of them is Tampa. Now, most of the others are bad teams. Buffalo's a bad team. Ottawa's a bad team. Um, San Jose is the worst team in the league. But Tampa Bay, Vasilevsky and old friend Jonas Johansson, okay. both under 900. Hmm. And in fact, the save percentage of Georgiev is better than Vasilevsky's save percentage. Wow. And Shesterkin with the Rangers, who was playing ahead of Georgiev Why Georgiev's a couple on the of F's. years ago, right. when the reason that the Rangers traded Georgiev, who wanted to play, he was never going to play in New York with Shesterkin there. Shesterkin's save percentage this year is 901 hmm. to. Georgiev's 897. Not much difference there. And if you've noticed, now that the Rangers have stopped scoring the way they were earlier in the season, they have flattened out. They have come back down to earth. Now, I mean, they, they still are out. first They're, in the Metropolitan, yeah, but it's 54 but points. The there are people who are thinking leaders. it's only a matter of time before Carolina overtakes them. That is not a strong division. Um, although... I, 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 I think there are teams, it, it's more a division where underachievement when it comes to Washington should be better, Pittsburgh should be better, New Jersey should be better, uh, Philly's a bit of a surprise. The Islanders are weird. Uh, for, it, it's kind of an Islander thing now to yeah. have a lot of these one-point games. They, yeah. they never win a shootout. They never win an overtime game. They've, they're 18, 12, and 10. So interpret that record for me. Is that a good record uh, or a bad record? I think it's closer to a bad record. Than they're not. A good it's not record. great. That's for sure. I mean, now they won. I the say they never win in overtime, except they beat Toronto last night in overtime. <laughs> so I, I, they're in overtime a lot. Let's put it that way. Uh, but Georgiev, relative to other premier goaltenders, is in a couple of instances at least not playing as badly as one might imagine. Mm -hmm. But there's good news and bad news in that he's number one in the league and wins with 23. The good news is, yes, uh, you've been at least as good as the other guy 23 times. The bad news is you have 23 wins with an 897 save percentage and a 2.88 goals against. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you're just playing too much. I just, you're, I just you're look at the 35 is the number that makes me nervous. He's played the, out, of, out of any goaltender that he has even 10 wins. Nobody has played more games no. than Georgiev. No, that's, that's, that's the biggest you're concern. Right. You're right. Now, now one of those games, I think he got uh, right. put he, in. He came in. Uh, when Prosvatov was yanked, and we right. remember that. That was the game where Bednar said the fir- about Prosvatov, the first three goals were bad. And the fourth was unacceptable, and right? Had to yank him, which is something a, go- a coach almost never says when he pulls a goaltender. He well, says, "I'm trying to fire up the team." Prosvetov he put it all since. on Prosvetov, and I I don't think Prosvetov will play more than maybe a game on this road trip, but he has to play somewhere Sandy, on this trip. Bednar's not the guy though that has doghouses, right? I mean, look, oh no, no, if, no, if Prosvetov I'm- goes out there and plays his, and I look at 
his level. He's a backup goaltender. He doesn't have to go out and shut somebody out. But the message from Bednar is you have to be better than that. You can't, you can't come out and play that. But bad. do you believe that Prozbatov can earn his way back towards taking maybe that two-thirds, one-third load that it feels like uh, for the rest of the way they're going to need? I don't know. I, I, I don't know that it's going to be two-thirds, one-third. Uh, I, I think you, you're talking about probably 75, 25. Uh, and, and, you know, he's going to play more than 75, 25. At the rate he's going now, right. yeah. he's going to play more like 80%, but maybe even more than 80% at the rate he's going now. Uh, the biggest problem the Avalanche have is the Winnipeg Jets are 16-1-2 in the last yeah. 19 In other so words, the Winnipeg's, the Avalanche Winnipeg's biggest is problem. just the best team in the league. That's well, the problem. Yes, they're the best team in the league. They're the only team with 60 points, believe it or not. Now, there are teams that are close, including the Avalanche, right. but the only team after their win last night and this is a typical Winnipeg Jets win. For 55 minutes, they're losing one to nothing to the Chicago Blackhawks. The Bedard-less right. Chicago Blackhawks are beating them one to nothing. They're playing in Winnipeg. 55 minutes into the game, it's one to nothing. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe the Blackhawks can get the game to overtime. Maybe even limit Winnipeg to just one point. Maybe. In a space of less than two and a half minutes, bing, bing, Winnipeg scores two goals, and they win the game two to one. And they don't That's score what many. they have been doing. Because they have in, in net, the, the guy that if, if, was, well, if it was today, Connor Hellebuck he's, would win the Vezina. He's, he's the best. 21-6-3, and three, 30 starts on the he's year. He's the best goal Goals against right of 2.2, which yeah. is outstanding, especially compared to the rest of the league. Nobody. Nobody in the league with uh, 13 wins or more has any lower than that, and the save percentage is through the roof. 923. Hellebuck has kept them in every single game this year, and and they just have enough to sneak by. Yes, and I I think when you read about the Avalanche and you project on through the next five or six weeks, um, when's the trade deadline? March 8th. March 8th. March eighth, something like that. Yeah, or um, or wait, you know, I'll, I'll look it up. It could be February eighth. Yeah, I think it's the NBA. 8th. You're right. The NHL is February. NBA uh, is March eighth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. February eighth. So you yeah. only have about a so month. So I'm I'm thinking you you've got a little less than a month, and the Elias Lindholm rumors are going strong, yeah, and he'd be a great fit. Uh, to turn a phrase, uh, they're they're. A, blazing like flames, and of course Lindholm plays for the Calgary Flames. And he is a pending unrestricted free agent, mm-hmm. so it'd be perhaps a rental, accepting the idea that we heard a little bit about yesterday, that next year Landeskog may be back, and he probably can't afford Lindholm. But for this year, you might be able to, to afford him, and the question then becomes, do you trade Bo Byram to get Elias Lindholm? Is Bo Byram expendable? I think for the right player, I think yes, because I do like. Is Elias Lindholm your idea of the right player? Yeah, along that on that second line. Yeah, I think he is. I think he is too. And I think for the Avs, when you look at the way that Caleb Jones has played, Sam Malinsky, who I think is a little more ready for prime time than maybe even the Avalanche thought. Uh, He's looked fine to me. I think that you can live with that with that Jones Malinsky pairing just fine. Well, well, why not Gerard? Uh, and Gerard's older. Well, it's also more I don't know that Gerard is going to bring he you. He won't get you the same return. Lindholm. No. Byram will get you Lindholm. Mm-hmm. Yes, he will. 
And I think for the Avs, they probably have to think about it. But the move to uh, to add Caleb Jones was smart. Uh, fortunately, Malinsky has continued to mature. The the Avalanche could have. Well, I think that. Malinsky is the one who makes Byram possibly. I agree. Expendable. And my only bit of hesitation in saying that is that Bo Byram is 22 years old. Yep. And I don't think for the last year and a half he's been good. He seems to be hurt a lot, and I'm not talking about the concussions. That there was a all couple years the time. Ago. I mean, it's but just all in front of you. It's he's he's he, he was a terrific player in the playoffs in 22 in the Stanley Cup run. He was great. Uh, he wasn't Taves or Macar, but he wasn't far off. He was the third best defenseman during the Stanley Cup run. He played with Manson, and I thought he made Manson better uh, more than Manson made. Him better. I think it's a good pairing for him, but I thought he he made Manson lift his game. But the thing with Manson and Byram is they're both hurt all the time. And Manson's an older player. That's one thing. Not going to get Byram. You Byram will get you Lindholm. I I suspect. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, uh, but you know, it's going to be hard to catch Winnipeg if they're playing anything like they are right now. And Sean, in the league this year, 10 win months, two teams, one in November, Florida, and one in December, Winnipeg. Those are the only two teams who have had 10 win months. Bruins haven't had a 10 win month. Rangers haven't had a 10 win month. Vancouver, as good as Vancouver's been, no 10 win months. Avalanche have come close. They had nine in November, no 10 win months. The abs are on their tail, however. They will get going on this five-game road trip tomorrow night. We'll keep an eye on it. And, of course, it's going to be a very cold weekend in Colorado. That makes you think at times you're like, well, okay, you know, the spring's coming around. If you're interested in selling your home, that's the best time to do it. Not necessarily. You know the Colorado home market's been crazy for years. But my friends Dave and Mark at the Key Real Estate Group, Colorado Luxury Home Team, can make it easy for you. And when I talk about the luxury home team, doesn't mean you're talking about luxury homes. It's the service, the high-end luxury service that you're getting, whether buying or selling. You need experts that know Colorado's market, know how to ride those highs and lows. Well, you need two things. That's experience and stability. The guys at Key Real Estate Group, that's as steady as it gets. Privately held company, 25 years in the same offices. And keep in mind, if you're a seller, inventory in Colorado is still low around the Denver metro area. So homes that are priced right are still selling fast. Let Dave and Mark get you a free valuation. People will tell you at times, avoid putting your home up for sale in the cold winter months. But guess what? The buyers in the winter months, they tend to be more serious. They're ready to go now. So there's no reason to wait. Let Dave and Mark represent you to make sure that you are getting everything you deserve. Call Dave and Mark at the Key Real Estate Group at 720-900-LIST. That's 720-900-LIST or visit them today at keyrealestategroup.com. We will take a look at the NFL wildcard weekend. And if you have friends in Buffalo, uh, I got a way you can make a couple extra bucks. I'll tell you next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. 
want to get to uh, the NFL Wild Card Weekend, but of course, we also appreciate your text. Danny Bailey watches that text line at 303-831-1340. And Danny, what have you found? First one here on Carmelo Anthony from Broncos 60 says, Carmelo Anthony will be voted to the Hall of Fame. Then what? I mean, he will be. Obviously, like I said, he's the 11th leading scorer right. in the history of the NBA. Right. I mean, and that's where I think Carmelo, you're like, get over it, man. You had a great career. Everything's right, good. Right. Relax. And you're a great offensive player. Um, there, there are probably players uh, who certainly offensively in the Hall of Fame, much less accomplished than Carmelo oh, yeah. Anthony. And for that reason alone, of course, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying uh, during his time in, in Denver, uh, there was more drama than there needed to be, than there should have been. Um, you know, I, I thought their best chance to win a title was in 09. And for the first in the Western Conference Finals, the first three games, even first four games overall of that series, Carmelo was more than a match for Kobe Bryant. And the series was 2-2 after four games. They split in Los Angeles, and they split here in Denver, and it was 2-2 going back to L.A. for game five, and uh, the Nuggets were in game five. Uh, They collapsed in game six back home, uh, but uh, Carmelo was a no-show in game five and also in game six. He wasn't alone in game six. Nobody showed up for that game. But I, I thought that was the point in his career Kobe Bryant probably at the height of his powers, and Carmelo was good enough to play with him. Certainly as an offensive leader, he was talented enough to match Kobe Bryant and at least matched him over the course of the first four games and then disappeared in the last two. And one thing you have to say about Kobe Bryant, he he had bad games and big game circumstances from time to time, but he was never a no-show. Carmelo, 10-time All-Star. He was at 11th all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Three-time gold medalist. Also got a bronze medal, but three-time gold medalist. Uh, Lock Hall of Famer. Turns 40 this year, and he made $260 million in just salary, not endorsements. Mello, relax, Relax. man. Things are good for you. And nobody's trying to bury you here in Denver. No one's trying to erase what you Like, relax, man. Like, uh, enjoy your your retirement. Sounds like it's going to be pretty great if you just... Take a couple deep breaths. What else did you have, Danny? Another one from Broncos 60 he says, look, coaches are like sports talk radio hosts. After a while, fan bases get tired of their message and voices. Well, well what's next? Yes. Uh, we're going we're to move on from that, Broncos 60. Holy cow, man. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Friend of the program. Holy cow. Well, it's I, just because you and I, I have been know. at like we, every had, station in this ta- in town. I mean, you don't we, have to judge we've us. We've like had. That. Come on, uh, man. We've, we've had. Uh, Friday, a number of coaching moves this week. And I think there's a tendency to try to bundle them together and say the game has passed them by. And I I must confess, uh, you know, there were people maybe even at the top, the very top of the New England Patriots organization who would confide in friends. Hey, it's passed Bill Belichick by. I don't think anybody said at Alabama about Nick Saban it was time to retire. The game passed him by. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, Pete Carroll, uh, I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think it was just the record. I don't think 
Pete Carroll was a CEO coach anyway. He was never an X's and O's guy. So I, I don't know if the game passed him by. I don't think that was uh, as much of the issue. Uh, yes, it's there. there is, and I thought Saban put it well. He said, you know, you never want to retire. You don't look forward to it if you love what you're doing as much as I have over the years. But he said, there is a right time, and I thought this was the right time. And, uh, you know, Belichick's not retiring. And Carroll is acting as if he'd like to coach again, although I don't see anybody hiring him. Uh, Belichick's 71. He'll be 72 in a few months. And he's going to have a job. He'll have a job next year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a huge concern. We look at the uh, NFL wildcard weekend, of course, the the Arctic weather that's going to be uh, ripping through the United States, including here in Denver, cold yeah. weekend coming. But uh, the, the Buffalo Bills, if you go to their website, one of the very first things on their, on their news page for Buffalo, the NFL teams all have sort of similar alignments. Uh, the Bills are asking anyone 18 or over interested in shoveling snow inside the stadium to come to Highmark at 10 p.m., Tomorrow night. So if you're really enthused about shoveling snow in the middle of the night in Buffalo in January, that ought to be exciting. You know, you can make 20 bucks an hour, complimentary food and breaks. Hey, what's going to be colder, maybe Kansas City is Kansas City. Yep. Where they are talking about the possibility that this may be the coldest playoff game and, ever and let's let's look at colder these than the ice bowl real quick here let's go through these because tomorrow colder you than have cincinnati and, yeah and san diego cincinnati san diego, championship right. game in the early 80s browns at texans are interesting because of the, the the quarterback matchup that's the first one up tomorrow uh cleveland a slight favorite on the road that to me is a complete toss-up i don't know how i that's think it go. is and it would worry me if i'm the browns first of all i know the <laughs> browns had a better record but Houston won its division, so the game's in Houston. Right. Denzel Ward hurt his knee in practice yep. yesterday. Um, Joe Flacco had a nice run, but I'd rather have C.J. Stroud, if quarterback, I'm the Browns, for me, playing on his home field. I do not want to get behind in this game, put it that way. That would be the concern. The crowd you don't want to play, you don't play, you don't catch, want up. To play catch up against them. Tomorrow night in that Kansas City game you're talking about. By the way, uh, in, enjoy the first ever... Basically, uh, not quite pay-per-view, but the yeah. same thing. NFL uh, game in history, yeah. uh, only broadcast on Peacock. The NFL is very excited to bring that to you as they continue pointing out. Of course they are. They would yeah. like some of your money. So sure. on Peacock, the uh, freezing, miserable game. The uh, At the moment, the temperature kickoff, not wind chill. Not wind chill. Minus three is the expectation. Unbelievable. The funny thing is that the Chiefs are four and a half point favorites. Yeah. If, if. The Dolphins can get a little bit healthier in their running game. I do not rule them out. The idea is, oh, the Dolphins are a speed team. They'll absolutely be in trouble. The Dolphins can run the ball pretty yeah. darn well. And in a cold uh, game, you have to be able to do it. I, I love Mike McDaniel. Um, I think we're seeing, uh, and Vic Fangio's a good defensive coordinator. I don't know that he's a great one. I, I know there are peers of his who believe he is. Um. I, I'm a little disappointed in the job he's done this year. Uh, I know they've had injuries, um, but every team has injuries. And I think Miami's a little overrated. I, yeah, I, I do, I too. Just do. I do, I, too. I, I, that Buffalo game was winnable, and they let it slip away. Uh, I think they're a little overrated. They're, they're, they're one of those teams that had trouble, especially on the road, playing up to the standard they've managed in Miami. It was important for them to win the division. They didn't do it. 
and I think they'll pay for that tomorrow night, and the weather will not help. The Chiefs, however, have actually, oddly, never beaten the Dolphins in the playoffs. It's never happened in their three matchups. Well, they had that famous game on Christmas Day. On Sunday. In the early 70s, yep. the Ed Podolak game. If you uh, stayed up to shovel the uh, the Highmark Stadium up in Buffalo, you'll be able to catch the Steelers and the Bills in the morning. That one, to me, is the most one-sided of the bunch. The Ste- Mike Tomlin, once again, did a brilliant job coaching, getting a Steelers team that I think has no business being in the playoffs. They were outscored this year. In the playoffs, but <laughs> it comes to an end How do you now. win 10 games getting I, outscored? Phenomenal coaching again by Tomlin, but it comes to an end, I think, against uh, yeah, the, the Bills. I, I agree. I like the Rams at Detroit. Detroit. Yep, that's and the game I like I'm the most Tampa against Philadelphia in that's Tampa. That's again a case of yep. the team division with a better winner. record having to travel because Philadelphia blew the division, just like Miami blew the AFC East. And I, I think Tampa may have one home game left, uh, and Philadelphia is just playing so badly now. I. I think Philadelphia beats itself. I think the Packers have a punching chance, but the Cowboys will take care of them, especially at home. I yeah, I think the Rams are going to outright beat the Lions. Yeah, I do. I uh, think I, I think do. the Rams will beat the Lions. I think that's going to be very disappointing to Detroit, but I think it'll happen. I can't pick the Eagles over the Buccaneers, but I got to tell you, you're not wrong because they are a mess. I mean, they're, they're a mess. They're, they're, I mean, they've they've they the lost they've to like Arizona they and the Giants at the end of the yeah. year. When Arizona and the Giants are looking for the uh, the Broncos the, wouldn't, the have, wouldn't have lost to both Arizona to and the Giants out. with Stidham. Uh, yeah, they're a mess. The Eagles are at a major, major point there. It's it's nerve wracking for them. And even for sure. to the point where I know you suggested this yesterday, uh, or, or um, who did? Justin Adams suggested Philadelphia. I was about to say, and is it a good idea? Let's say it was me. We we we, we kind of scoffed at it. And and you made the point about Dallas, which I think is true too. If McCarthy now we're just somehow loses, that's where Belichick uh, lands. Belichick could end up there. But there's been some talk of Belichick in Philadelphia. There and uh, Justin wasn't wrong. No, about that. He, and he brought that up because that. Uh, the way they finished has been a disaster. We will find out. It's been fun talking with you. Stay warm this weekend. It is a terrific football and sports weekend. Enjoy all of it, but uh, try to stay warm and take care of yourselves during the very very cold weekend. Also, take a couple moments, by the way, on Monday to think about why we have that holiday, the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Take a couple of moments to reflect on that, too, and the importance of it even in today's culture for sure. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth. He makes everything work. Thanks to Sadie Clough. Of course, my name is Sean Drotar. We will be back on Monday, but uh, there's no reason you have to go. We still have programming coming up right now on Mile High Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. I saw the fire in your eyes. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.